Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. A picture of a word reading the next current issue. And I asked, I the illustrator a thing, and I said he had to look like um, possibly Nick Cave and Warren Beatty in um, Bonnie and Clyde. Why? Because that's how I think he should look. <laughs> that's how I think in his head, though, yeah. he thinks he looks. In his head, Warren Beatty, in real life, Warren Mitchell. I can't even remember what Warren Beatty looked like. I remember buying a suit once. Young and handsome. I bought a suit once from Mel. Uh, oh, I'm giving it away now. From, from Paul Smith. Yeah, and I walked into the queue office. And I said, "What do you think of my suit, Paul Smith?" And Diva said, "Mel Smith." <laughs> <laughs> I paid five hundred pounds for it. I was absolutely mortified. I don't think I ever wore it. I remember going into Mix Mag in, in, in the early days of Mix Mag. I remember going in and they were looking at pictures on the thingy and. Uh, uh, one of the staff just pointed at this picture of this raving club lady just goes body of Baywatch face of crime watch yeah. <laughs> one of the classics it's been used many times <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's classic Bob Fox isn't it it's a Bob Fox oh really is that a well known piece of yeah. usage body of Baywatch Bob face of crime watch oh god oh, I missed yeah. that I missed like, that yeah. so anyway the Ben Elton Queen musical uh, We Will Rock You which you've no doubt been to see many times I haven't yet. They're gone. Come on, come on. You, of all people, we had this conversation. It's a fucking podcast. <laughs> Listeners, don't worry about this. We'll no, sort it out. Move away from the door. Leave no, it. Just here. walk away from it, Can mate. you put like a, 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 a dance hall rewind on that? All right. Just just rewind. <laughs> that was uh, Simon Berg uh, bursting in on the podcast, which he promised he wouldn't do. Only yes, he's going to do it again. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we will rock you, uh, Ben Elton Queen musical, uh, running at the Dominion since I think 2002, supposed to finish in 2006. No, it's obviously been extended by public demand. What's the really good news, boys? I don't have to go and see it again. <laughs> yeah, you, you may have seen it. Have you, have you seen it? I had to go and see it. I was right. made to go and see it. I was morally well, you'll blackmailed. be delighted to hear that they're writing a sequel. Oh my oh, god! Isn't that good news? God. What's it so called? We will still rock you. Yeah. To it's going to be called "Don't Stop Me Now," isn't it? Or something I like that. Yes, God. See if you can suggest a, an idea for what it might be called. But would you ever have predicted, back in whenever the eighties, uh, you know, when uh, Ben Elton was appearing in his sparkly jacket and his yeah. skinny tie, you know, giving it to Thatch, to Thatcher, yeah, yeah that Thatcher. he would prove to be the man with the kind of, let's face it, the hacks instinct oh, to yeah. make an absolute yeah. fortune. Funny that, of, isn't it? <laughs> funny that. Out of the most kind of, well, how can I put it? The lower middle brow to be fair, uh, though, piece he, of he mainstream entertainment. A, he did make an absolute fortune out of his Rod Stewart roller coaster musical. Oh, yes, he closed almost right. about ten minutes after it's Okay, but And he put his own cash into that, though. I, I don't know. He made that, enough money I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> so, Andrew, you went to see the first one? I'm afraid I did. I was morally blackmailed by my uh, my mate and word reader, Neil Amos, uh, because his sister was working on the production. And he said, you have to come and see this with me. You like rock and roll. So mm-hmm. I went, all right. And, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. It was hell on earth. I don't know what it was. About. I, I don't know what was worse, that 
or Mamma Mia, the ABBA musical, which I had to go to review for Heat magazine in the early days. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you didn't enjoy that either? I thought that was also hell on earth. Well, they call them jukebox musicals, these things, don't they, now? Yeah. I'm just thinking that. Did you go and see the Madness one? No, I didn't, actually. No, I liked Madness. And the Madness so was, was over about a week, wasn't it? And you it didn't no, it, did, it was about six months. It was okay. I really, did he make his money back? I, God knows. How, how, how much money does the musical need to make to make it money back? A fortune, I think. It's okay. got to run for about two years or something. And it's got to be, there's got to be a certain percentage of seats. Four, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you've got to make a fortune at the merchandising and all those kind of things. But yeah. if you're running forever, if you're, if you're Bel- Ben Elton and Queen, yeah. and Robert De Niro, who was an early he invest- was. investor, yeah, no, yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of disappeared. Sure, there's a picture of Brian yeah. May. What a lineup! Robert De Niro, Ben Elton, and uh, somebody else. Yeah. Who's, the odd, who's the odd one out? Who's the odd <laughs> one out here? Yeah. But if it's you get very it, hard not to, to uh, recall that terribly cruel line in High Fidelity. Do you remember the Jack Black character in the shop? And this guy comes in and he says... Uh, he says, I, I, I want to buy a copy of I've Just Called to Say I Love You by Lionel Richie. And Roy Stevie says, Wonder. Steve, by Stevie Wonder, sorry. It's from my Music is our business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most famous records of all time. Yeah. Forget it. Come on. No, come on. You've got to tell no, no. the story. Go on. No, it's not very funny. Go on. Oh, go on. Right. Come on. Okay. Out. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we've got off to a bad start. Does he get does, Does he, he get, get points? Who are you talking about? Does ben Elton get points? But he wrote it. Yeah, he more than one points. points. Yeah, yeah, but do you just get a flat fee? No, he no, he gets a fortune. He can buy Australia, I'm sure, you know, because he's got, you know, versions of this production running absolutely all over the place. Ah. And he's going to do a follow-up. So we're never going to be free from that huge, grotesque statue of Freddie Mercury that bestrides... You know, the end of Oxford I reckon yeah, one day they'll build, they'll build a really big one like the Colossus of Rhodes and it'll go right over Tottenham Court Road and you'll have to go between Sir Fred's <laughs> legs <laughs> on the 73 going north. It's yeah. across the Thames. Yes. Oh, well. We should do a feature about that, shouldn't we? Colossus of the world. Anyway, future issues. Yeah, carry on. So carry anyway, on. Andrew. Yeah. You, your last week, Andrew, I had to introduce everybody, didn't I? Andrew Harrison. Hello. Uh, Mark Ellen. Hello. Wearing the huge headphones. Matt Hall waves, Hello. waves from over in the corner. Um... Andrew, your, your week has not been as occupied by Morrissey as it might have been, has I, it? I had planned to go and see Morrissey twice, uh, on Saturday and Sunday, bet on the end of the tour, schoolboy error, and of course he pulled it on, fr- on Thursday, no, Friday, he pulled it on Friday, uh, through no fault of Morrissey's as far as I can tell, his voice just went, uh, and he went off after, after, I think, five songs. The thing that irked me, quite apart from the fact that I didn't get to see Morrissey, which I wanted to, was Jonathan Ross and yes. David Bedeal and David Williams Have and Russell Bloody Brown. And Russell YouTube Brown. footage. I know, we've got oh. it on the site. It's all there, wordmagazine.co.uk. So, what? Let's, get, let's get a picture of this. Yes. I know you weren't there, but yes, try and well, paint a picture. I'll give you my... I, uh, Morrissey I comes report. on, <laughs> he does the first five numbers, yeah. and then just wanders off, no explanation. Well, that, that is Morrissey, you know, Morrissey never... never Enigmatically never leaves, the leaves the stage. Yeah. Band uh, stand there for a while yeah. and then shuffle off after. Yes, uh, and uh, it, it, it's definitely, as, as, as my friend David, major Morrissey fan, who was taking me as a birthday treat on Saturday, explained, you're not really a Morrissey fan unless Morrissey's let you down. Unless he so stood you up. Unless he stood you up. So, yeah, we've all been through our right of passage there. Excuse anything on Morrissey's yeah. part. So they, my, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the Mosjahedin will, will excuse absolutely <laughs> anything. Um, so Morrissey goes off, and then, but then then David Volumes. I need to what, volunteers. Five minute gap is there? Presumably well, people few going. Minutes, yeah. yeah. And the, David Bloody Williams volunteers his showbiz great mates to go on stage and say, "Hey, Morrissey's not coming back. Well, hey, you know we might do a bit for you. Ha ha." And naturally, the bottles are raining down, and the coins, and anybody who wants is- them. Priceless. If anybody yeah. listening that hasn't seen it, they should go and see it. Just, I think you just type in, you know, what's on the site, isn't it? Morrissey Roundhouse Ross yeah. will get you the keys. Yeah. And you'll, get, you'll see it from several angles. Is, is yeah. That, yeah, and I've seen it from several different angles. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like the Zapruder movie that's right. of uh, the assassination of celebrity. I think yeah, it's just as much more detail, in fact, than yeah. a kind of FA Cup final disputed goal. You, know, yeah. you can see it from everywhere. But first of all, say it's Russell Brand, isn't it? Yeah. Who does that kind of fantastic... He's wearing a frock coat and a pair of knee-high boots. Yeah. And I think all of them have completely misread the situation. They think that if they, the tremendously popular and much-adored celebrities yeah. that they are, go on and say, tell you what, there's no Morrissey. People will be so glad. Many yeah. people will pay you £150 a ticket. Really red And come from, come, come, from come from miles away. Come from abroad. They'll, they'll actually think, forget Morrissey. This is brilliant. We've got Russell Brand, Jonathan yeah. Ross, yeah. and David Wallace. <laughs> what a classic lineup. Yeah. I mean, their job, obviously, is to tell us that we're not going to see Morrissey. 
and but the, the, but the, Id- the idea that they just think that their presence will solve anything that oh, you know the presence of these celebrities is just a panacea how fantastic my house has burned down but David Williams has brought me a cup of tea you know is my dog's been better. killed is it fair to say that in, in the case Ross. of most of these people they've never appeared before a live audience well they haven't appeared in front of a live audience for years without a warm-up man going first. Well, they haven't appeared in front of an audience that doesn't come and see them, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Not without following wind. So they've got an investment in it. But, I mean, it is absolutely breathtaking because yeah. Russell Brand suddenly gives this look of panic to the side, doesn't yeah. he, to his, his uh, fellow celebrity cohorts, as if to say, this isn't going very well. He goes, look, yeah. I'm not being paid to do this. No, yeah, well, thanks. It's not my job. I'm it's a favour. Thank you very much. It's yeah. sort of camp way. And Jonathan Ross then does what, and to be fair, on his Radio 2 programme the next day, he does a show on Radio 2 Saturday mornings. I think we know. Well, there are people, (coughs) David, listening in Australia and Japan who are not. Oh! Are they not? I think there are. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) No, you know. (laughs) To our global listenership. But anyway. BFPO, yeah. He he makes the absolutely unbelievable error of then sarcastically singing last of the international play. Yeah, and and he was taking pictures of the crowd, apparently, and and smirking. I'll sing a Morrissey song for you. At which point the missiles come yeah. raining. And, a, and on at least one of the YouTube, yeah. you can hear a woman screaming the rudest words you can think of at him. Broad just over and over and over and over. over like a mantra. And he's just being pelted. So it's a, it's a media lynching, basically. It very yeah. nearly was no, a media lynching. It gets worse. It gets worse. I mean, again, everyone who heard this program would know Jonathan Ross admits that he did misread the mood of the meeting. But he gets outside, and what actually happens is he's outside the roundhouse. It's actually comical. It's like some French Revolution, as if the people have yeah. risen up against... I wish I'd been you know, there. Pitch popping jays. Yeah, it's right, yeah. Torches. No, but no, it's classic. It's, it's like Ceausescu suddenly realising... Yeah. It does strike you. It strikes you very much as that moment when Ceausescu realises they're not cheering, yeah, they're yeah, booing. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, want yeah. his blood. That's it right. Was, yeah. No, but anyway, does Ross outside, and in the melee, and there's no other word for it, right? A load of very aggrieved, very revved up uh, Morrissey supporters have, have surrounded him. I'm starting to give him. Well, it's almost amounting to a bit of a shooing. And yeah. in the melee, he drops his car keys, right? And what he says to his listeners is, "I actually thought for a split second, leave him." Just walk away from it. Get out. Get out of here. Get yeah. out. You, can, you can afford it, John. He's effectively going to leave his car yeah. in order to save his life from this angry lynch mob that he managed yeah. to stir up in the roundup. So you think it's a turning point, do you? I really, I really hope so, because what, what they've done, <laughs> we both as do. you pointed out on the website yourself, Dave, they are the new Tarby. In fact, worse than Tarby and Brucey and all that. I but, think they're smugger than Tarby yeah, and Brucey. because Tarby and Brucey at least were pros and could read a situation. Yeah. Whereas this is just like, hey, we're so great. Why wouldn't you be happy to see us? Yeah. You at know, least Tarby and Brucey have faced the last house of the Glasgow house. Glasgow right, yeah, absolutely. Oh, which gives me an opportunity to tell the story. Is it a horror, nearly? <laughs> it's really, sorry. We, we, we never throw anything away on this podcast. <laughs> Everything goes in there. The famous story told about Mike, Mike and Bernie Winters. Not very funny double act of the 1960s. And Schnorbit. And Schnorbit. Uh, this is it Free Schnorbit? Free You have told it before, but tell it again. Have I really? Yeah, it's classic. Come on, that's classic. He remembers on my behalf. No, he no. does. Uh, it's very funny. Is that uh, Mike goes on first and plays the, plays the trumpet or whatever, tries to be amusing at the Glasgow Empire. And after a while, the joke is that Bernie comes on and starts goofing behind him. So after about two minutes, Bernie comes on, starts giving behind him, and a voice can be heard from the back of the stalls. Oh, God, there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a neighbour of mine, a guy called Peter Weir. He's an actor, a really fantastic bloke. And I was having a drink with him the other day, and he told me a story about uh, um, late 1960s, early 1970s, Shaftesbury Avenue. There's a theatrical production going on. And it's, one, it's the time when everyone was getting that kind of method acting, feel your mood, you know. And the director encouraged all the actors to come up to the lift of the stage and say to them, they had to say out loud, the most terrifying thing they could think of saying. And one by one they came up and sort of managed to, you know, sort of fantasise about some ghastly kind of nightmare involving spiders or trains. The last one up was was Laurence Olivier. Sir Larry took to the stage and he said, we opened in two weeks' time. back to the dressing room and start their lines. But why didn't Morrissey go out there on his own 
and Co- say, sorry, Morrissey, you throat, Morrissey has never, ever explained or apologised for anything, has he? If he's not going to stand up and say, actually, you know what, that Union Jack thing, it was just a Union Jack. <laughs> he's not going to come out and say, sorry, I just, I'm just in need of a vegan strepsil. You know, he's not, it's just not going to happen. Morrissey does not explain his part. Do you know what part of his mystique. Do you know what he said on stage about the dicky throat? That's on. what happened when I was there on the Monday night. Oh, the, worst, the single worst bit of attempted comedy in a live context I've ever seen in my life. He said, uh, I'm sorry, I have a, a, a frog in my throat. And I don't mean a small French person. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yes. It's the all-rounded entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If the singing ever goes wrong, you know, he's got a great future. I ever. mean, last time we were there for jokes in the roundhouse was Richard Hawley. Oh, well, Richard Hawley. Well, I went to see the doctor the other day. We've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing it now. Mark, I went to see the doctor the other day. Mark, we've known, we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> yeah. We've done everything before. <laughs> we've done it before. That's the way it works. Yeah. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. We're not afraid to give praise where praise is due. Very fine thing on the Times, in the Times, on the Times website. Uh, on by, the Times now, isn't by, it? Yeah. By, 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 on the Times. <laughs> I saw it on the Times. By a chap called Andrew Winters, who I was Morrissey's roadie, uh, where he gets called up. Through, you know, he's worked on the fringes of the, uh, the touring business, whatever. He gets called up to go and join Morrissey's tour of the United States, mm. doesn't he? Have you read this? I've read the whole thing. It's an absolutely great. Fantastic! It's, it's really brilliant. And, it is uh, just fantastic. And it, it, Don't yeah, give d- the ending away for the viewers. Well, okay. Oh, I was, I was, well, go on. I mean, I was going to do the ending first because it's the details. You know, oh, that take on. place during give the, the ending away. Then. Basically, it lasts about what thirty to a, a, a day. A day. Yeah, yeah. A day. Probably nobody quite knows why. You know, he gets to LA, hangs around for a while, yeah. meets Morrissey, meets the band, meets various people. And, uh, you know, has, has fun, soaks up the sun, has a drink, so forth. Yeah. And the following day, they say, we've booked your plane ticket back. Yeah. And he says, why? And the tour manager says, no idea why. Mm. But basically, Morrissey decided that he, his face didn't fit or his shirt didn't fit. Morrissey or, or decided that he didn't like somebody for well, no reason at all. Go. I can't There's believe it. There's clues, though, in the interview, and in the piece that he writes, this guy. There's a clue where he's talking to a member of the band, Morrissey's band, a few hours before he's going to meet Morrissey. And the guy says to him, just in a kind of chummy conversational way, tell you what, mate, what's your favourite pop record? Uh, first, oh, the first record you ever bought. Something like and that. And he yeah. says, it's an Elton John record. Yeah, so yeah. It's a tumbleweed connection. So he says, yeah, word in your shell, like, words are the wise. <laughs> I wouldn't bother to mention that to Morrissey, or you'll be on the first play. Yes. Right? I, should, I should lie if I, I should yeah. lie about that. Said, see, what works is T Rex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just say you like T Rex, you'd be in the band. You know, and uh, you'll be on my, the tour. My favourite detail of this, and I want to have a serious discussion following this, okay. is he gets on the plane at Heathrow to go to Los Angeles, right, and the stewardess comes down, where they've reached cruising altitude and they're serving the meals, stewardess comes down and goes, vegan meal for 38G. Yeah. And he goes, what? You know, I was looking forward to availing myself of the best of the, yeah, of the trolley. And so. No, basically, <laughs> you've had, you're, you're part of Morrissey's entourage. Oh, yeah. And therefore, you are you are ordered to have a vegan meal now. Same in an industrial tribunal, would you be allowed to do that? If you know, if we hired somebody here and I said, you know, you're forced to eat meat or you're forced to be you know, have the well, vegan menu, would they take you, us? To you're court? virtually forcing everybody to drink the energy no, drink no, no, rock star no. juice, Taylor, <laughs> which the viewers can't see, but it, it, they're all very high on it, viewers. I should warn you. But he can't uh, do that, can he? Uh, well, evidently you're, you're he can. You're asking a sky on of the uh, of the butchery. Um, Yes, yes. Do you know what we did? Do you know what we did instead of going to see Morrissey on Saturday night? We'd see Sweeney Todd, a film about meat pies. That's what we did. Celebrated with a meat pie. You you got your end. Absolutely. You're all in there. So, so what? Everybody in Morrissey's entourage is. Paul McCartney's doing this for years, Dave. Paul McCartney would not allow. If you worked on Paul McCartney's show, you were not allowed to consume meat. I know this for a fact because I went to a Paul McCartney end of tour party about that must be years ago. Yeah. And everyone was Prunes again. A, you know, a few bits of celery round. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a quail's egg if they're very lucky. Does Paul McCartney uh, view the um, the room service? Because from that article in the yes. Times, Mo- it looks like Morrissey actually goes through your room service. He's yeah. put a, he's put a bet, bar on it. Yeah. So if there's any defectors, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like a, a firewall on the internet site. <laughs> just to stop yeah. you. Stopping 12 hour steaks getting through. Anybody he's, probably, he's, he's probably blocked the dirty films as well. You know, he's gone gone round, you know, taking a re- empty bar. Replaced it all with Brighton Rock and the Leather Boys. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Any, 
anybody would think that we were hearing about somebody who's a massively controlling individual attempting to dominate or possibly break the people who work for him. Why okay. would you think that? Well, I don't know. I've, no, I've, I've not met him since I got him to the answer the telephones on Rock Around the Clock <laughs> <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh, so he's kept out of my way. Well, anyway, it's an extraordinary story, isn't it? It lasts yeah. 36,000, you know. You, you know, you, you spend time on the outer orbit of the courts yeah. of these people. You discover what it was like to be a courtier at the at uh, Versailles. One, one, of the, yeah. one of the great things about this tale as well is because it's on the Times, i.e. the interweb, it, of course, immediately have your say at the bottom. And the Monsieur Hedin have piled in. Well, he clearly kicked you off because you were clearly going to sell your story. And you clearly like sausages, don't you? You're an absolute rotter. <laughs> it's amazing. They get everywhere. And they'll probably be complaining about this podcast as well. Yeah, OK. Well, that's good. They're, they're Feel free everywhere. to complain on the Facebook side. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yes. Join the Facebook. Join the Facebook. Join the enemies of, uh, of the word <laughs> the podcast group. Yes. The, 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 the group is called Report as Abuse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The word. Yeah. We're talking about celebrities just... Alex James out of blur. Uh, Andrew and I agree on that. We feel that uh, to some extent our balloons burst this week. Uh, yes. A balloon of the, the massively overinflated and, and self-delusional balloon of the rock star ego that believes, that, as Alex James did, that if you're invited on a current affairs programme, question time, that you're invited on basically because there is so much intrinsic interest in you as a rock star that you do not have to prepare even slightly to be able to duke it out with um, <clears throat> such fine minds as who was on it, David Laws, the Liberal Democrat MP, yes. Jeffrey Sarah Robinson, Sands, Sarah Sands, Sands absolutely yeah. right, and of course uh, Dimbleby in the chair. So, so James has done absolutely a minus amount of preparation. So, can I just ask you a question? You're experienced broadcaster. He has artfully rumpled his shirt. Rob Fitzpatrick wrote a little piece about this in the next issue. If, you, if you were invited on Question Time, how long would you take off? To practice. I'd probably take a month off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd, take a month off. I'd have okay. a complete head and body transfer. <laughs> I'd put on my Mel you'd Smith think suit. about it. <laughs> you'd be coached. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. You'd read papers for the whole day. At the very least, would you have looked at that day's papers? You, you might I would have said I would have had a team of highly paid political analysts yeah. giving me spreadsheets. Uh, and probably speaking to me through the earpiece. Yeah, you'd have the, you'd have the George Bush hunchback job, Listen, wouldn't you? Yeah. I wouldn't leave it to so, any kind of So reason. how did Alex James, James feel turn up the question? With the, the <laughs> most, and he said, not a bad fellow, to be fair, but he did turn in a shocking performance. So he adopts the rock star position, which is to slouch. Firstly, you have to slap. Yeah. Everyone else has seen the Lib Dem chat. Bolt upright, yeah. Who's had a shave and he's brushed his head about a tie. Even the Lib Dem had had a shave. Oh, <laughs> even the Lib Dem, so you can see things are moving on. But old James is there just slobbing about. And his opening salvo is a classic. He's asked about the departure of Peter Hayne, which I think had happened that very day. Quite a complicated subject, but they've asked them, to be fair, the, the, the all-colossus of uh, political analysis, the bass player of Blur, what, what he'd like to add to the argument. And his response is, he strokes his chin for a while, and he goes, uh, yeah, it was way iffy, wasn't it? <laughs> right? oh, it was way iffy. I know, Dave, you're upset. I don't know why I'm telling you this. You're really oh, upset. If you can God. see David's uh, face expression, uh, viewers, he, he's, he's just contorted with pain. Yeah. Way iffy. But don't you think that... Summation. The whole thing, <laughs> it's not just a bad performance on the telly. It's like, that's everybody's opinion of what rock stars and the world of music is like. So he's let all of us down. He's let the whole world of music down. You know, people think the world of music is full of idiots. Someone who's got on the telly and behaved like one. But I it, suppose it's also it's it's well, the, the only. Is, it's not his fault. Why? No, because because it's free spirit can't be controlled. Anybody, no, because anybody who knows anything about Alex, Alex James from Blur knows that slouched and dishevelled is default position. Actually, yeah. it's the fault of the people that make question time. Yes, well, yes, that's on. true. Yeah, that is true. Because what is Alex James known for? Not being the most kind of up on current affairs member of Blair. What in fact, being the fourth. No, I don't think it's all that because how can it not be? I can see why they're doing it because they're trying to be contemporary and they're trying to broaden the appeal of the program and all those kind of things. They're trying to make news and trying to get people like us probably to talk about it, which we are doing. By but, saying I mean, it's rubbish. You know, presumably, Alex James is capable of watching a playback of this program and assessing his performance. The trouble is, I think he probably thinks he did rather, he does, did rather well. Did he basically play the part of a, of a yeah, lackadaisical problem. rock star slouching and being, you know, even if he is quite bright, which he is, pretending not to be? But the other problem mm. is that's not the only current affairs program that Alex James was featured in. This, he was, he this was on the well, Today he, he did this documentary, Panorama. didn't he, about about where cocaine comes from or yeah. something like for, for Panorama, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I caught him on the Today program on, on the radio. He's gone anyway. Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 
Listen, Mark is pouring out another half pint of this lowered orange energy drink rock star. <laughs> yeah. But if you listen to the, the Today programme, you know, between the presenters and the people they interview, it's a fairly smooth ribbon of chat, isn't it? You know, because yes. most people who go on the Today programme can talk. You know, well, they can talk too much, they're actually. Yeah. They they're say. very fluent, and they've got very to talk about. It's rather yeah. glib, but, you know, it's there. It's uninterrupted. It's a murmur. Yeah. yeah? And there I'm having a shave, and I can hear this in the background. You know? And some of this murmur is interrupted, because the interview has changed, to this interview with somebody who keeps going, yeah, 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 and I had to go in the bedroom, and why is this... Uh, Alex James, I had to turn it off. Yeah. Because it was an irritating noise first thing in the morning. It's had actually, to talk like that. It's really it's shocking. It's infuriating. Because I remember they had Gruff Reese and the Super Fairy Animals. And now I love the Super Fairy Animals. I think they're absolutely fantastic. Gruff Reese's natural environment is not the live radio chat on Radio 4. It went from, the, as you say, the smooth rhythm of uninterrupted yes, competent chat changes. to suddenly these big silences. Yes. And it's really alarming. It's horrible. You think, the first thing you think is, as the radio broken? Yes, then I you do. think, then you think, have I gone deaf? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> or has the BBC been hit by a nuclear bomb or something? Yeah. It's really disturbing. Yeah. And I there's Guffrey's going, I don't know. Kind of it's really bad news. That's why they, yeah, that's why Bob Geldof is never off the radio and television, you know, because he's the only person with r- long hair and a rock background who can just talk. Yeah. Fluently, like a, like a broadcaster talk. Because a half second of dead air on the radio lasts an eternity. Now, this is going to move us seamlessly, or as seamlessly as these things ever go, to one of our favourite subjects, which is, you know, rock stars making speeches. <laughs> and. <laughs> which, is, which is all part of the extension of the same thing, isn't it? You know, that I, I a few years ago, got dragooned into this thing at the Oxford Union. Oh, God, yes. Um, Up against Rosie. And bad, bad oh, Rosie, I think, was on my well. team. I can't remember. You were up against Badly, though, weren't you? Yeah. Ba- <laughs> this was drawn boys. So Listeners, basically, yeah. the debate in, in the august, you know, in, uh, precincts of the Oxford Union, you know, packed house, so forth. There's Paul McGuinness, manager of U2, there's Badly Drawn Boy, there's Miranda Sawyer, there's me, there's Nick Rose out during the round, there's Foxy, Foxy, and somebody, I think that may be the that fourth. Was it. He's, not not a, he's not a real doctor. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm badly drawn boy. But basically... Not a real DJ. (laughs) All the people, apart from two, had prepared. Who were the two who hadn't prepared? Rose and presumably... Badly. Badly Badly drawn boy. They they both stood up at the Oxford Union, never having done any public speaking in their lives, packed with the great and the good, and thought... I'll wing it. Yeah, I thought that the it's like me going on stage picking up the guitar. The I'll work it out. Yeah, they've come to see me, haven't they? Really, don't they? <laughs> they don't know what I've got to say. Again, we, I know we've had this conversation before. If you go to, we went to the Empire Awards oh. once, Dave. I remember when Dennis Hopper was there. Do you remember? Got, yes. Were you there? And he got up. He was and very he, good. He recited the whole Kipling's of if. Kipling's If. That was how to get get out and do the speech. That was. No, very No, he's good. He's good. He thought about it. He, for yeah. God's sake, he thought about it, he memorised it, he did it with the most tremendous amount of, as you might imagine, he is an actor, a dramatic aplomb. And at the end of it, you came away, you know, with something to you know, remember. It wasn't just a kind of stuttering, self-interested... What was Didn't you hear another member of Blur do a speech recently? <laughs> I did, I, I, I did. That was... Uh, I hadn't quite, he really hadn't thought about it too much either, but uh, it was... Tell uh, us more, Mark. No, 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 no yeah, yeah. How long did it last? In quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. Or did it just feel like quite a long time? No, no it was quite a long time. No, it was David Albarn at uh, Tony Wadsworth's leaving too, yeah. And... Um, it meandered somewhat. This podcast, so I, 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 you know, I, I enjoyed it very much. It was illuminating <laughs> and uh, educational, in fact. Oh and, uh, dear. Lots of, lots of. I think you talked about a, it rather differently yeah. a couple of weeks ago. There's a, there's a funny red light on Matt's mixing desk lighting up here that I've never seen light up before. What does it indicate? So, no, it was someone telling lies. It's a fiction yeah. button. Yeah. <laughs> the Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So, in other news, Ali Campbell, out of UB40, has decided that he's had enough. Has he decided, or has it been decided for him? Well, he would say he's decided, because he's got a solo record coming out, I think, which is bound to be a huge departure, I would have thought. (laughs) It's been burning to come out of him. Now, first question, I'm going to ask ask a trivia question. How long has Ali Campbell... Been a member of UB40. 
Well, they were going in the 1970s, Dave. I think go on, so how they many... Were before, well, they were well, I, I know the answer yeah, to this. I know the answer to this, because I used to be in the UB40 fan club. Okay, so Andrew is now going to tell us how long UB40, with pretty much original lineup, I think, have it's, been together. It's 30 years, I think. 30 years. 3 oh, 30 years. <laughs> That was the sound of a door Ali Campbell behind it. Huh? Yeah, there was Ali Campbell putting his head around the yeah. And he didn't look that pretty so, I've got some airplay. Yeah. But anyway, no, Andrew, and sorry, I've just got to tangent here. You were a member of the year before. I was a member of the year before. Amazingly. Amazingly. What did you get in the post? A uh, walker print of Ali. Uh, I got a walker print of the band. Yeah. Uh, I got a little tiny, tiny pin badge. Uh, it wasn't expensive. It was, it was about a pound or something. You got a little kind of newsletter once every three months. Well, the most exciting thing, they were very new media UB40. You could ring up a uh, an ordinary telephone line that wasn't even a premium service line because they hadn't been invented yet, and a taped message would tell you what was going on in the world of the UBs that oh, week, which I thought was actually quite good. It was almost, you know what they were doing? They were doing a UB40 podcast down the phone. Right, that's, that's what they were doing. And so what were they doing UB40 when you ring it up? Well, just skanking. A large piece of land no. in well, if I had, up. If I hadn't yeah. been 10 years old and I could read between the lines, they would have been sit- saying we were sitting around smoking bales and bales <laughs> of weed and taking a long time to get an album out. And bemoaning Margaret Thatcher. And Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. People forget they were actually quite good when they started yeah. out. They were really Oh, listen, I, I've got nothing they against were. UB40 at all. But UB14 what? dub. You first, the first ever dub album I ever bought. It's pretty good, isn't it's it? It's really good. Lamb's yeah. bread. But the thing good. that gets me is 30 years. 30 yeah. years. Now, if a group... Had been in 1978 when UB40 formed. If a group had been together 30 years, yes, they would have been formed in 1948. They'd be Glenn Miller, wouldn't they? Yeah, <laughs> well, well, yeah, Ken two, McIntyre yeah. Orchestra. Yes, the Andrews absolutely. Let's <laughs> pull a band. We're going to be called the Andrews Sisters. Yeah. So 40 years. Let me get this right. No, not 40 years. Uh, 39 years ago today. Yeah. Have I got this right? Probably. 68? No. What, 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 what took 69? place? Yes. What took place 39 uh, what? years ago today? Uh, no. uh, well, the Beatles' last performance on the road of. What is it? The roof of Savile Row? Yeah. Good. Do I get something like that as a prize? Do I get a medley of Teflon pots? Or, uh, or, or some, a set of crystal sherry glasses? A stacking medley. A stacking medley. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I'm rather pleased with myself. I'm obviously not getting anything. They've just. just no, I've said so yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm no. 39 years. Sorry, wow. that's Be here this time next year for a million retrospective features. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was because 40 years ago to zero. The thing about that performance is that you look at the film, nobody actually saw it, did they? Because everyone in the street... Well, couldn't see couldn't it. Couldn't see it. it. Yeah. Where the noise it's was a really from. good point. <laughs> I've seen that bit of film many times, and I've also got a still from that uh, at home, actually, which I disgracefully ran off a negative <laughs> once. Somebody was lent just in a, in a magazine. I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Dumb. Really sorry for the talker. But anyway, um, no, about eight people did see it. And yeah. they're all the most fantastic looking bunch. They are the secretaries from the offices, the rooftop offices in the adjacent buildings in Savile Row. Well, I was. And they're all wearing, and they're all in this picture, and they're all wearing mini skirts. And this is 30th of January, one of the dates today, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and made of kind of, you know, crimply. And little fur coats, and they're all everyone smoking. Every single person in the picture, the Beatles, the <laughs> you, film crew, everyone's classic baby in a pram. <laughs> yes. Yeah, babies in pram. Well, I am to see the old bobbies downstairs uh, trying to stop the racket from having a gasp at first. <laughs> I am to see a YouTube clip of this today. Okay, of that performance, and and while they're playing it, a rather you know an elderly gentleman is is climbing a vertical fire escape ladder. Right? You know the other thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, terrifying yeah. things. Yes. He's going up that, he's wearing a tweed suit, an overcoat, he's got a trilby, and he's got a pipe jammed between his teeth. <laughs> he's going up. Was it Mr. McGill? As if this is just his quickest way home. Yeah. You know, the, it normally gets, goes this way. And in order to look casual, he puts his hands in his pockets and just strolls as if he strolls across the rooftops. <laughs> Every day, and he hasn't really come to see the Beatles. It's absolutely That's hilarious. Brilliant. And what somebody's also posted is the um, Ruttles pastiche of the same oh, thing, superb. which I hadn't seen for years, where <laughs> the, the, the Mal Evans roadie figure comes to fix a cable in front of you know, Eric Idle or whatever, and he kicks him off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
joyous, joyous stuff. Ringo is wearing his wife's wonderful plastic sort of uh, plastic mac. mac. The, the which which mac. people did in those days. Did. Those days. Well, where the wife's well, mac. Well, well, it was red, was. wasn't it? It was bright scarlet. I yeah. think it's yeah, yeah. Those those PVC Amazing. PVC things that people uh, used to wear at the time. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Paul McGuinness making a speech at Medem, the music industry, um, you know, annual shindig, winding, um, has had to go at the the kind of ISPs, the people who provide your internet connection. Yes. Um, and saying that they they shouldn't be making music available for free, and the, you know I think they've done this in certain they've done this in France, haven't they? They're trying to they're trying to get a tax or well, a they're levy. trying to do it in lots of places. I think yeah. they've done it in France. Actually. Are they? Um, yeah, a socialist country, right, Dave? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's 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 talking about he's criticising what he calls as the original hippie values of the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, you know, the people who drove the digital revolution. Yes. So, and you know, because he says that um, they seem to have a deep disregard for the true value of music. I, th- I think they've found the true value of music. <laughs> they? They've discovered the true value of go music. Go on, go on. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean uh, he seems, Paul McGuinness, who's a lovely bloke and a very yeah, smart yeah. bloke, manages YouTube, um, he's basically saying that the ISP should pay for data, which is traffic, specifically music data, which is traffic through their pipes. Uh, and I suppose it's a question of do you believe that BT is responsible if somebody rings up and, uh, you know, tells somebody to commit a crime at the other end of the phone, or is BT not responsible? Paul McGuinness is arguing that as they are providing the methods of transmission of naughty stuff, then uh, musicians and the people who work with musicians should be compensated for it. Um, Personally, um, I don't see how you can possibly make that stick. How is anybody ever going to accept that? No, I can't see it either. What interests me is the idea of the true value of music. Yeah. What's the true value of music? Because, you know, an album five years ago was £14.99. That was the price of an album. It wasn't necessarily the value of it. All right. Yes. Okay. So the value Mm. is what are people prepared to pay? Yes. Yes? So five years ago, they were paid £14.99 for a Robbie Williams album or Mm. whatever, ten years ago. Yeah. Now they won't. They'll pay £7.99 or £8.99. The case is actually we're probably going to end up... With it being the same question as, well, um, what's the price of a painting? And the answer is, well, it depends what painting it is. You know, yeah. what's the price of a Robbie Williams album? Well, if some people pay more for it than I would. I'd pay you money not to have to have a Robbie Williams yeah. album. Um, certain people, um, I'd pay, I'd almost bankrupt myself to get records by certain people. And I think that's the way it's going to go. I think, you know, the value, it, it, you'll cease to go into record shops uh, at all. You'll, you'll cease to look at the price of records as a fixed thing. And it'll probably look a bit more like the stock market. You know, shares are going up in this. The price of this is going up. The price of that is going down. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just the general value you're talking about, isn't it? Because I mean, if you put out the new Robbie Williams album, you know, first week, rather like a hardback, uh, in a limited edition for thirty-five pounds, quite a lot of people buy it for thirty-five pounds. They desperately yeah. want a hard, I hard don't copy know. of it. I don't know. Yeah, no, well, that's, you put it in the Robbie Williams album nowadays. The place it's going to sell is Tesco's. Yeah, where they're going to sell it for very cheap. Radiohead literally did put their album out in hardback for thirty-five quid and a lot of in a box, and loads of people bought it. People but yeah. no, not and as many as would have bought it had they done it the old way. But they yeah. did okay. Yeah. They did very well. I but think. then, of course, that's because it's Radiohead. You yeah. know, I'm not seeing the Robbie Williams collectible disc box being a particular flyer. I, I mean, this is obviously the most complicated issue music has ever faced, isn't it? How, yeah. do you, how, do you, how do you deal with the fact that your marketplace is disintegrated and people can effectively set their own price and, and often, more, more often than not, will set it at zero? How do you deal with this? Um, I just think the idea that there's going to be one fixed price for music can be very, very hard to sustain. Yeah, yeah. Look at eBay. Loads of people get their music from eBay, yeah. where prices literally go up and down according to the demand. You know, the second-hand market for, you know, they're incredibly, CD still have that little thing on the back saying, it's illegal to sell this without the permission of the record company. You know, how has that ever been applied? Has that <laughs> ever, ever, ever? How many records have we all sold, you know, I want to know that anybody, we bought in shops? Has, <laughs> <laughs> has anybody around this table ever had a record company ring up and ask for their property back? Yes, it was a Robbie Williams record because that, <laughs> because it had a libelous track on it. It had the other one. He was uh, he was committing the terrible act of libel against his former manager. They sent a bike round and said he must give this back, but not on the basis of just uh, actually we, we decided to call in all those promos we sent out. Yeah. We send them in. They'll all hear this now and I'll get what dozens of emails. They deliberately just to create a little bit of excitement. Robbie Williams. No, I think it really was a, a massive, massive cock-up because he recorded this um, you know blatantly libelous track. 
How much did you get for the record? Uh, <laughs> mutter, 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 mutter. <laughs> no, I did, I did send it back to them. I've, I've still got the first John Fogerty solo album, which has got a libelous track at the end that he got taken to court for. Yeah. And they had but to, that was already had, out. He had to, yeah, but he had to re-record it with the, with the name on the title applied to somebody else. So the early copies of oh, the first good. John Fogerty Who did he libel? Solo album. That's good. Uh, I, I do, you know what they say, repeating a libel <laughs> is the same as... Uh, he was, it was a, a former record company boss that he'd been involved with. Ah. And uh, but he had to re-record it with a name that sounded like ah. you know. But well, of course, Morrissey had to remove a track from one of his albums because it was considered to be uh, contempt of court, I believe. Yeah. One of the tracks on Southport Grammar might have been. It was called "Sorrow Will Come in the End," and he was told that he couldn't sing this song in the UK and not be done for contempt of court. So he spoke it and released it only in America. And it's a creepy spoken word Morrissey track. All the Morrissey facts, all the time, yeah, on the World right. Podcast. Yeah. Roy Harper made a recorded a track about Amazingly. Uh, food, didn't he, in, uh, in um, motorway cafes, which had to be removed. Oh, that? God! How do we know what this for gap? terrible? What, what for Gap? Who's yeah. this? What for Gap? What for Gap? What for Gap? And I'm going to sing the chorus. I think, I We're going to get sued. Do you think I'm going to say... I think... Oh, God. Think, I think, think, think the publicity that we get... The publicity that we get by being sued by What for Gap... Would probably be worth. Would we be the first podcast think? ever to get sued? Would we be the Oz trial of podcasts? Yeah, it's not. Do you think it's a bad thing that we know this much stuff? Do you know, I've got a terrible confession to make to you guys. Actually. I heckled last night at a concert. <laughs> I've <laughs> never done that. Who did you go and see? I, I went to see my old pal and neighbour Robin Hitchcock, who was playing at uh, the Queen Elizabeth Hall in London. And was people, it, there was, was banter. Was it a surrealist heckle? No, no, <laughs> was it? That's right. Yeah. No, I just fish. I tell you fish. Triangle. Fish and civil servants. Yeah. Bicycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. It just waved an egg in the air. No, uh, what happened was, that, I mean, he invites a little bit of banter because he's very, very good at banter. And he suddenly started to introduce this song. And he was, no, he was talking about REM. He said he'd heard the new REM record. And it was fantastic. And the reason it was fantastic, he said, is because it's only 32 minutes long. He said, there's only two records have been made shorter than that, of course. One was by Bert Yanch. And one was by Nick Lowe. And I found myself saying to um, the person next to me, what about John Renborn's Lady of the Unicorn? 29 minutes, 27 seconds, I think you'll find. Who then nudged me and said, tell him, tell him. And you know that awful thing, I'm sure it's like a bad dream when you suddenly hear a voice saying, I think you'll find, in front of an absolutely packed standing room only Queen Elizabeth Hall, I think you'll find John Renborn's album, The Lady and the Unicorn, was 29 minutes, 27 seconds. And you realise that this disembodied voice is you. But it must be because people are looking at you going, what the fuck? What's that? talking about? And so we got a little bit, he had no idea, I do know this guy quite well, he, he, he didn't realise it was me, so we just had a little bit of banter, which I had to end by saying, look, I, I don't want to hold things up, Robin, I don't want to hold things up. He started asking me about specific lengths of certain tracks, but I just couldn't believe that this is what we've come to. This Male idea of heckling. That's not so much a heckle, it's a reader's letter, isn't it? It's exactly. a reader's letter. It's, it's a kind of, uh, it's pedantry, isn't it? It's, it's, pe- it's pedant's life. It's, pe- yeah. it's the pedant's revolt. It's pedant's revolt, yeah. Pedant's revolt, is it? Is, yeah. is that pedant's apostrophe S or yeah. S? Oh, oh, God. There he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's awful because when you say things like that, you find yourself talking in that voice that you adopt when reading out those kind of letters that come to you, which I think you're fine. We never do that, though, do we? We wouldn't take the piss out of the reader's letter. No, 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 never no, no, do no, no, no. <laughs> no. But anyway, yeah. so, Best heckle, and I never heard it, but it was Malcolm Hardy said the best heckle that he ever heard at the Tunnel Club, the comedy club in, uh, that he used to run in Greenwich, was when some guy walked on stage, a comic, and his opening line was, I'm a schizophrenic, and somebody in the audience said, well, why don't you both fuck? <laughs> 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 We'll have to go for the explicit rating yeah, 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 on yeah, iTunes yeah, once yeah, again, yeah. but you know that's, that's, that, that's absolutely fine. It's a complete button on that thing. It's yeah. worth it. I've lost a bit of paper. I've, I've where I printed out the thing for the website where somebody pointed out this week that a horse was running yesterday in the one thirty at I've forgotten where small race course called Hora, and it was the yeah. favourite, but it only came third. H O R A. H O R A. Fantastic. Was actually called Hora. Let's, uh, Each let's way. find out where it's next running and load on to it. Lump on. Come on, my son. Put your money. Be lucky. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we can, maybe we can get the Facebook group to all put their money on it. That'd be really fun. 10p? We could all do that. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good idea. That'd be really funny. You know, on the worldwide betting exchanges, you know. Yeah, dodgy bookies in Singapore yeah. would be thinking, what's going on here? Everybody will start to get on it. It'll be great. Yeah. 
So shortening by the second, but why? What's going on? <laughs> Investigation. These people know yeah. something we don't Jockey know. Club knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah. So it's camp. traditional at this point in the podcast <laughs> that we have the horror, which is the hoary old rock anecdote. And at this point, listeners, I look expectantly around at everybody around oh, the God. table. I look at Matt. Who shakes his head? I look at Andrew. I forgot mine, sir. <laughs> the dog ate my aura. <laughs> I look at Mark. Shrugs, palms up, shrugs, palms up. I was trying to work out whether we'd done the story. You know the old, um, you know the old say about the music business: where there's a hit, there's a writ. And uh, and there is there is a truth there. You know, that it's not just a flip comment. Yeah. That. People only come looking for you when they think you've made a load of money. Yeah, yeah. Bother Is that why we're not getting libelled for this, po- this podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it made me think about: Have we done the story of the Verve's Bittersweet Symphony? We've done that. Have we done this on no, podcast? No, 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 no. Because I do think it's a story that that you know repays close attention. How this happened? Yeah. Go on then. Yeah, no, 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 no we definitely haven't done it. Okay. So the Verve kick around for absolutely years, yeah. not having any great success, any hits. Andrew, how long? Ten years, probably something like that. Ah, it was probably five or six. The only, oh, okay. the only thing that ever happened was they got sued by Verve Records, who made them append a the. Imagine having a the appended to your name for legal reasons. Amazing, that wouldn't it? Anyway, carry on. Terrible. That'd be terrible. Um, and anyway, they uh, record the tune "Bittersweet Symphony." The, the, the kind of hook line of Bittersweet Symphony is a violin line, right? Played by a guy whose name I've now forgot, David, David Sinclair Whitaker, I think it's called. Session musician, arranger. Back in the mid-1960s, when Andrew Oldham, deciding that he ought to make a few quid from being the manager of the Rolling Stones, decides to record, a la Phil Spector, the Mick Jagger and Keith Richards songbook. That's right? Right. Have you ever heard the Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. It's actually really good. It's really good. Really, really yeah. good. And he does this version of The Last Time, right? Which is a close relation of an old gospel tune anyway in the first place. But have you ever heard that version of The Last Time? Yeah. Does it sound like The Last Time? Well, yes. Does it? God. If you hear the two things... I think I've heard it. It What it sounds like, a Bittersweet Symphony. It sounds completely like like Bittersweet Symphony. It came on the other day on the iPod and we were going, is is this an instrumental where are the vocals? Absolutely. What's that thing? I, I I shall put a clip of it just 30 seconds, <laughs> on the website, so that people who haven't heard it can get to hear it. So anyway, this record, you know, ships gold, returns platinum, nothing happens to it at all. Disappears into the great, you know, skip of history for however many years, until the Verve come along and hear this and think, that'll do as part of our tune, right? Well, if you go and listen to it, you'll realise how much of the tune it was. 80% of it, isn't it, really? And I think they tried to clear it, Right. With Alan Klein's company, Abco, who was the former manager of the Rolling Stones and of the Beatles, and has been accused of many things in a long and colourful career, he's still alive. Stupid <laughs> has not been among them, okay? Has Paul McGuinness ever accused him of being a hippie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly not. Uh, so they don't clear it, they go ahead, they put it out, right? So clearly, Klein and all these people sit there and, and just watch it. Go up wait, the wait shot. Wait till the verb spent what they imagined their profits would be. World. <laughs> yeah. Hello. It was a huge hit. It was used in a commercial, wasn't it? Wasn't it used by Microsoft or something like that? Yeah. I can't, they did a really big deal with yeah, that yeah. thing. Absolutely everybody, everywhere. They sat there and watched it racking up. You know, They must have had in their office you know, a, 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 you know, a meter showing the pound <laughs> signs going past. Well, like the Blue Peter appeal. The, yeah. the appeal. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The Sweet Symphony appeal. Yeah. They waited until they got the absolute maximum amount of money. And then they arrived with the lawyers and said, how much money have you made from that? You know, oh, five million pounds or whatever. I think we'll have that. I think we'll take that because that is taken from a record that we own the copyright to. Wasn't it? And, well, it basically broke up the band, didn't it? Well, wasn't it? it actually even worse than that? In, in the, um, that, that, uh, you know, the manager had approached Alan Klein uh, and gone, look, you know, this is the record. This, here's the record. It's, it's going to be a hit. Uh, we're thinking about, you know, a 50-50. And Alan Klein goes, so what, 80-20. Uh, you know, and the manager sort of goes back with, you know, heavy heart and, and explains to Richard Ashcroft 80-20 and Richard Ashcroft tells him to, you know, no way 50-50 no and then the response was, okay, 80-20 is out, we'll just have the lot. 
and they had the lot. They had the and lot. That was the end of that. And it, now, if you look at the, I think if you look at the the credit of Bittersweet Symphony on a Verve Greatest Hits, yeah. it's down as Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Yeah. Who had yeah. nothing to do with it. Yeah. At all. But yeah. you know, I feel a tiny bit of sympathy with the Verve. I do, honestly. Why? Because, I mean, I think this is naive and probably illegal, but it was a bit like what happened to Small Faces, wasn't it? The Small Faces, do I mean someone else? I mean Humble Pie. <laughs> do you remember Humble Pie? They, they, were, they were members of the yeah. same group, anyway. Okay. And they, they did these two world tours, didn't they? And had made vast profits from them. And this was Peter Frampton and Steve Mann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they were managed by and they had already They already worked out the quantities of land that they were going to buy in Jamaica or whatever as a kind of tax dodge because the amount of money was up. And when they got to the end of it, for some reason, there wasn't any money. Well, yeah. I mean, this must have happened to so many people. But he well, can have it. Just just spent it. Yeah. I don't know if they'd spend it or in some I would imagine like, Humble Pie had yeah. spent it. Yeah. But they, it was one of those things where in their heads, and again, they never recovered psychologically. No, no. Any of them from the notion that they were going to be fabulously wealthy. In their heads, they saw themselves as sort of Elton John characters, you know, loafing about some bloody great pile somewhere, filling yeah. every disused room with daffodils. And they discovered there was absolutely yeah. no fucking cash. God. So, uh, you know, do you know the story of Dominique? Uh, do you know the story of the singing nun? Well, I know it ends in a rather uh, sorry old way. <laughs> it's, it's, You're not singing anymore, I was going to say, but I'm not going to say it now. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> so the, sing, the singing nun, I mean, about what, 1962, 63, something like that. Dominique, Dominique Yeah, very sweet Top tune. Huge hit all over the world. Huge, in, enormous, one-off kind of novelty, semi-sacred yeah. It yeah. Gotcha. makes a fortune. Being a nun, she gives the money away to charity. That doesn't interest the Belgian tax authorities no, no. whatsoever. They come looking for... The nun. Yeah. Well, well basically, I understand you've earned a million dollars. Yeah, I gave it away. Well, I'm sorry. You know, we still want a third of it or whatever, you know. So it just That's absolutely couldn't right. have had a nastier consequence. Uh-huh. And anyway, she ended up leaving the... Well, subsequently, many years later left the the nunnery and uh, subsequently ran a children's home and then uh, terrible ending mark do you know the ending well i know she she self administered ending she killed herself in a in a in a in a, in a suicide pact with a gay lover that's right that's absolutely correct so you know it's a small entry in the encyclopedia yeah. of popular music but it, you can't say that it's not an incident crowned can you she should have taken the advice of her brother trevor nunn <laughs> <laughs> He's always had an account and he's got him out of a lot of scrapes. <laughs> singing? Cousin. Singing just would not listen to a word he said. Uh, <laughs> or a cousin the singing postman. Were <laughs> <laughs> they apprehended by the laughing policeman? <laughs> Whistling Jack Smith, yeah. I think, was a uh, distant relative. Whistling, Mary, whispering, Jack whispering, Jack whispering Jack Smith. Whispering Jack Smith, Whispering Jack Smith. He was good. You're thinking of I was Kaiser no, Bill, no, Bill's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Whistling Jack Smith. That's Whistling Jack Smith. Slightly yeah, different thing. So before this dissolves in disarray uh, wordmagazine.com we're going to swim back swim back know. to the shore yeah. uh, wordmagazine.co.uk uh, and, uh, and don't forget to join the Facebook group and as Matt slowly puts the fader down I shall tell you the story that I can't tell on the podcast oh go on All right. let's have a listen to this so one this, good. Mark Armand yeah. and Doris Day. this podcast was brought to you by The Word Details at wordmagazine.co.uk Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.